Midnight, a horror anthology podcast. I am brought here once again with. It's me, it's me, it's the M I K E, and possibly your next face of horror, MJL. You want to you be our face of horror? Yeah, I totally do, man. Like, that's why I did the competition, dude. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, self plug. It's over now. Anyways, I'm here, man. Yeah, you're Good used episodes. to. Good. You're used to plugging yourself. Yeah, I guess I. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It was so a how goes, joke. <laughs> so how goes Cleaver? Mister Cleaver is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm devastatingly okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's that kind of just calm, quiet, but also like a brimming menace in the background. Like, you know, that's how we all live these days. <laughs> Oh, pretty much, eh? Like, oh, and the queen died today. I read that right before. Yeah, it's weird. I haven't met her. No, me neither. My queen, though, I'm, you know, Canada's a Commonwealth country. She's on all our money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm sad, actually. She's been my queen my whole life. Yeah. You're right. That's yeah, that would be extra interesting. We just cycle through douchebags, but you have had the same queen your entire life. We have. Like like I mean, really, she has no power here, right? Like we have a yeah, prime minister, sir. But uh and he's very GQ. But uh yeah, no, it's kind of sad actually. Like I, I watched the tribute this afternoon, it's been all over the news. <laughs> So we were talking about the queen and how the good die young. How old was she? Yeah. She was like 96 or 97. Oh, there's still a lot of juice left in that carton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, just it was sad. Like, I'm still kind of sad about it. I'm sorry. Did they, did they still think that it was natural causes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Like they like this morning, it sounded pretty suspicious on the news. Like everyone was flying there, and it's like, oh, she's not doing well. She's under constant care, and uh, no other words. And the next thing you heard, she had passed. So it was quick. Yeah, it sounded like it was half half decent way to go. But you know what? I want to talk tales from the crypt. Not sad, sad stuff. I guess. <laughs> Well then, let's not talk about the ending of episode five of season Oh my three. God, we'll get season to two. that one. Oof. But yes, we can we can we can jump right in, as it were, to season two. We are still in season two, episode four, and this episode is called "Till Death." Dun dun dun. Starring D.W. Moffat and Aubrey Morris as his unscrupulous doctor friend. Oh, yes. Yes, a Clockwork Orange alumni there. Oh, yeah, and he also shows up in Bordello of Blood. Oh, yeah. 
yes, yeah, no, I just always, and God will save your soul, you know, <laughs> pedophile. Oh. Anyways, Clockwork Orange, not for the faint of heart. I need to watch that again. I've only seen it like once or twice. Mm-hmm. But we also have Aunt Viv in this episode. Is that Aunt Viv? That's Aunt Viv. Janet Hubert as Psyche, or Psyche, I believe her character's name was. Fuck, she was hot in this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, okay, what we have here is an unscrupulous man who has bought a lot of territory in the, what would you call it, the Caribbean or the... The well, islands, let's call it the islands. Yeah, I would say Polynesian Caribbean because it definitely is, I'm sure we're about to get to it, has a voodoo kind of flair to it. Yeah, but most of it, it turns out, most of his land is swamp. Yep. It's essentially quicksand, but it's like a big sinkhole. Yep, and a whole lot of uh, very stereotype cookie cutter characters. Yeah, <laughs> kind of are. But um, yeah, he basically he finds out how fucked he is. And he he finds out that there's a there's a woman on the island who's a wealthy dowager, this young lady. Yeah, he was a slime ball, man. I actually thought D.W. Moffat, he was he was pretty good as Logan, eh? He was a good yeah, douchebag. Yeah, I liked him and didn't like him at the same time. So that's that's always good. Yeah. So he yeah, he sees this this young woman, this apparently loaded young woman and uh tries to make a pass at her and uh that did not go well because she is a smart cookie and she is very high maintenance yep yeah what was the line in there he said you said thought you said she was high strung she's a bitch on wheels yep oh yeah (laughs) oh man i don't know anyway yeah so what does he do then well, the only thing he could do, he has to go to his ex-voodoo queen lover, a.k.a. Aunt Viv from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, season one. I think she only did one season. Anyways, but uh, yeah, so uh, Psyche, I believe the name is, that's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a lover scorn, wouldn't you say? Yeah, she's, I don't know why, but she definitely needs that white D again. Mm-hmm. But she, yeah. you know, she, to her credit, she does, you know, help him. She she gives him the potion. And um, he's instructed, as they always are in these cautionary love potion number nine tales, where he's like, one drop, she'll be your wife. Two drops, she'll be yours for life. Yeah. And then I can't remember after, there's nothing after that. Nothing Just like, after you know, that. Two will do it. Yeah, and she's doing her whole voodoo ritual, you know, while he's off to go test his love potion number nine. Love potion number nine, it does. He puts a couple in her drink. Well, he starts with one. Yeah, oh yeah, he does. He starts with one, and then it immediately starts working. There's a small pause. It's like, and then you can just hear it come over her like a... Heat. Oh, is it hot in here? Is it hot in here, Cleaver? <laughs> is it hot in here? Or is it just that yep. hot English woman? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. This reminds me of, you remember when a Spanish fly was a thing? Yeah, I think this is one of those kind of plays on the urban legends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe people actually thought that existed. Well, you know. 
men are desperate. I mean, yeah, my, I think the only person spam box is filled with, uh, yes, you can get this penile enhancement cream. I keep thinking Austin Powers, yeah. Swedish penis enlarger. That's oh, my good, bag, it's... baby. <laughs> oh, good. It's not just me getting those emails. I was kind of getting worried there for a no, minute. No, I think I think they just catch you on all like whatever mailing lists. Like I'm on. I noticed mine amped up when I went on a bunch of the different horror sites and stuff. So whatever. I don't. And know. they sell your shit. No, yeah, that's hilarious. So, anyways, one drop isn't enough because he wants her for life. But he figures, you know, he's got her in the sack. He's done his thing. Let's just dump the bottle into the drink. What yeah, I, I don't I don't know. He's just it's it's voodoo. It's not an exact science. And then he just yeah, he's like the dabble do you? He's like how about a whole bottle? Yeah. I also noticed a, a strange little uh, kicker for this, but I'll get to it in the next episode. Continue on, sir. Absolutely. So he gives it to her, and um, it works night she uh she starts feeling poorly and she subsequently passes away yep she was locked in a state of orgasmic pleasure that would make barbarella and the orgasminator blush i was gonna say the exact same thing i know you were um yeah no it was uh it was pretty funny and he's like oh shit I'm back to screwed, right? Yeah, his unscrupulous doctor friend officiated it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, she's dead. You're done. <laughs> yeah, he was giving him shit before he wanted to hook up with her. He's like, you always get the head of Logan, no matter what you had to do. Yeah, yeah. And yes. he had to do the voice, I guess, at least once. Absolutely. Yeah. I had to. But yeah, he's, he and then after the doctor officiates her... And then that's the next day, and she has apparently come back from the grave. But what's that smell, Cleaver? I don't know. It might be rotting flesh. Yeah, yeah. Which brings me to the next theme. Like last time I called her the theme of avarice. There's a couple episodes where the theme is necrophilia, I feel. There There is technically successful necrophilia in this because i mean she came yeah. back from the dead didn't look bad at all yeah you know yeah we've all well, been there yeah but it escalates right sir <laughs> it sure does she's just uh slowly rotting away and that was when he he talks to his doctor friend and says he says yeah yeah i went ahead and i uh, give her a i went ahead and embalmed her so uh even if she was alive she sure is not alive now. yeah and then she comes up behind him and chops his head off. Yeah, yeah. Off off with the head. The doctor was done. And she looks just rough. Oh yeah. Like like we're talking she she decayed like ten years in I don't know, minute. <laughs> it's just the economy of anthology television. Oh like, for sure, man. Later that week. Mm-hmm. So she's, yeah, she looks rough. Yep. And so he tries to shoot her. Doesn't work. <laughs> no. And then he kind of takes her out to his uh, his quicksand hideaway there. Yes, the battle at the quicksand. And then like... and she saves him. Yeah. <laughs> she pulls him out. And then he lights her on fire and lets her drown in there. Well, could she technically drown? She was already dead. No. Fair. 
Yeah. That is fair. But it's not for long, though, because she comes crashing through the window. Yeah. And she's not getting the hint. She's still all about him. You know, that's how the, <laughs> the uh, hyper Spanish fly or Haitian fly, as it were, in this case. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it went. But yeah. So. Oh, no. He poisons himself. Yeah. He poisons himself. And then he gets brought back by his scorned voodoo priestess. That should be <laughs> a rule, man. If you're going to, like, screw over an ex of any sort, make sure they're not like a high voodoo priestess or priest. Like, yeah. really. That really ought to be in your first three questions you ask them when you get together. And like, are you practicing the black arts? Yeah. So our poor not hero is tied <laughs> to a bad undying with someone dying to see him. Yes. And then his, do- it, his doctor's head is still there, animated as well. Yep. Do in the voice where he has to take the break. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd always get the head, Logan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Especially the makeup on the gal as she gets older. Or gets more and more decrepit. Oh, yeah. When she reveals at the end. It was was kind of a nice little tie-up ending. Nothing too deep. But it was a fun episode. I agree with you, sir. Where are you rating it? Um, Let me see. I give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling very standard. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling a four out of six. I I did get a good laugh out of it. Like (laughs) I had it pegged. She crawled out of the grave and was dead. But, you know, it was kind of nice. That whole kitchen scene where he's like, what's that smell? (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, it's like you were dead. And now that you're back, I still smell dead. Yep. And he doesn't put two and two together. Oh, well. No, I liked it. I thought it was great. I, Gosh, bless it. I didn't look and see who the director was. The director was Chris Wallace? Chris Wales. Oh, okay. Wales. He's a, he's, um, he's a special effects guy. He did a lot of the... Frick, what did he do? He worked on the fly. I know that because then he got to direct the flight two off the back of that. Oh, nice. Good. I like the flight two. And he also did a really cool... Bill Paxton movie from the early 90s called The Vagrant. Have you seen it? I have, and I have it on a four-pack. <laughs> that I do have. Samesies, that movie is fucking hilarious. Yeah, good one. Still creepy, though. It's such yeah. a weird fucking movie, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I yeah. I agree. That is Till Death. And we are there's three titles, all of them start with T, and that shouldn't be a problem for any developed adult brain, but for some reason... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's us, man. It's it's our other show. It's fried us out a little. Oh, the BNS? Yeah, I think so. We got that, that BNS one. BS is really giving me wet brain over here. All right, rolling into episode five. Three's a crowd. And boy, is it ever in this episode. Oh, grim and dark, but good. The director was David Burton Morris. Oh, I was just gonna say I have no idea who that is, so he must yeah, not me neither, but that's okay. Um he directed a pretty damn good episode. So we have Gavin O'Hurley. Gavin O'Hurley, yep. Yeah, O'Hurley. Ah, whatever. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Sorry, man, I'll leave that to you. Is Richard Ruth de Sosa Sosa as Della and Paul Lieber as Alan. And that's our principles. So basically what we have is poor Richard is going out of his head with 
visions of jealousy and getting the rage. He works at a bar, remember? Oh, that's a good place for an alcoholic to work. Yeah, yeah, he works at the pub because he couldn't get anything else. As we find out a bit later in the episode, when he totally loses his shit at his best man, his supposed one of his best friends who has made a good life for himself and uh, has volunteered to basically fund a vacation for the anniversary couple. To his credit, though, this entire episode plays with his suspicions. But if I don't think they can be entirely not to blame because everything they do looks suspicious. Oh, it looks shady. But is that through his lens is kind of the interesting question of the episode, right? Like, is it is this being filmed with his slighted view or is this just, you know, they really are acting kind of funny because I thought so, too. Oh, you peeled the right banana there. I think that you're right, that it's it's all from his point of view. Yeah, because everything accelerated, like every conversation and everything became about uh, her basically cheating on him. And we kind of find out through the episode that, you know, things aren't going good on the money front. Things aren't good in the bedroom. Like he's just, he's jealous to points that uh, unhealthy. No, no, no. But it's and but since it puts you in his head, it doesn't feel, you know. Yeah, he's just a little much. Yeah, it it is right, but yeah, he basically the whole episode, and um, I'm just trying to think of a really, you know, I without giving it. Well, we do give it all away, but uh, really, it's just him going nuts and nuts. It's stages of his getting pissed off, right? Um, he goes there. He, they're very touchy, eh? I noticed that. Yeah, the best they, friend and uh, his wife. And, I'm going to say too touchy. Yeah, and it's funny how, you know, he keeps overhearing that, does he know? does he know and that's the reoccurring theme through all these conversations is well have you told him yet no he doesn't suspect anything so at this point i had kind of figured out the twist did you really yeah so yeah so as he escalates and i believe it was the conversation where he was supposed to be asleep and he was listening to them. And I don't know if it was me, I would have just burst down and said, what the hell's going on here? Exactly. That was his biggest problem. Yeah. And best friend, you know, he seemed to have a perchance for, you know, running his hand up and down dude's wife's leg. I mean, that's a recipe to punch a guy out. Exactly. But I mean, it's what you said earlier. Did he see that or not? Yeah. But, I guess the thing is, is that never happened in all this stuff. Like if you really kind of take this episode deeper, this is all boiling up in him and it's like, okay, well, I kind of figured out what was going to happen, but how is he going to go off? And when he goes off, he goes off. When you, when you say you saw what happened, did you just predict that there was going to be them like pulling some kind of harmless surprise? Yes. That is exactly what I figured. And it was just a matter of how far this his psychosis was going to take him. And unfortunately, it took him right to the end. I'll let you take it there, Cleaver. So what he does when he's finally sick and tired of everybody whispering behind his back. Yep. 
Yep, he goes to he goes to an eleven on the loony scale. He takes out his friend Alan with a crossbow, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he got the idea when he seen the mounted stag hat on the wall. He's like, my friend would look good like that up there on the wall. Yeah, yeah. And then when his buddy came up, he's like, hey, come on over, come to the stairs. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like he. I, they trust him, so he must have been very sane before this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. It was just degrees. It was like they ignored every sign. Like he was like throughout the episode, he kept challenging her, and he even went out and challenged his friend. And when his friend comes here at our crossbow scene, he <laughs> walks. He walks up. And he's like what the hell man this isn't a joke and he's like it's joking and the guy's totally gone like you said he dialed 11 <laughs> on the crazy scale and yeah he he does his best friend right there shoots him with the crossbow he's like surprise <laughs> yeah like, oh it's just a joke yeah and then comes the wife and i guess it is important to note and i kind of glossed over it because he went into his wife's drawer and found the sexy lingerie, which I guess is actually the catalyst of what gave him the idea to take up uh, archery. Yeah. And he took the sexy stocking with him, and then the wife arrives on the scene. And he put on her her sexy lingerie. Uh, what would you call that? Her teddy. Yeah, like her her kind of uh, lingerie robe type thing. Yeah, exactly. He did. But uh, anyways, she comes to see what's taken them so long for the surprise. And he's convinced that she's running away with the friend who's dead. She's freaking out. And uh, what ensues is a chase scene. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, a bit of a chase. Yeah, but a little he, short. He eventually gets those nylons around her throat. Yep. And then he's uh he's dragging her out there now. <laughs> he's dragging her dead body in. Yeah, yeah, to the special suite that they were supposed to go to. The lights are all off, and he proudly announces to the darkened room, you want to take this one, Cleaver? You missed the grossest, the necrophiliac. Oh, uh, yeah, he totally does tell her. Yeah, like, yeah. We're going to consummate this anniversary. Yeah, we sure are dragging the body by the neck. And it, at that moment, I thought she might have been still alive. Like, I thought maybe she lost consciousness. But when the light goes on, you know, she's got that dead eye stare. And <laughs> that is dark. Yeah, you're going to be a daddy. Yeah. And that was the other kicker. Congrats, daddy. Oh, yeah. Heart wrenching. They've been working on a kid for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the reoccurring theme, too, that probably caused some of their anxiety and otherwise are his. But, yeah, he totally went off, man. Isn't that fabulous? Well, yeah. That's but dark as shit, dude. It, it was dark. It For me, it was a five out of six. Like, I was horrified by it. And I'm like, okay, I guess it did its job. It's actually a Tales from the Crypt episode. I'm not going to revisit very often. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, this is one of those ones that I don't watch very much. It's just kind of unpleasant to watch somebody go downhill mentally. 
Oh my god, yeah. Oof. Not a whole Oof. lot of fun to this one. No, no, but uh, definitely solid episode. And uh, David Burton Morris, even though I'm not familiar with his other work, good job on this episode. Really yeah. captured it, nailed it. It's kind of like an Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode. Yes, exactly. Only a lot darker. <laughs> yeah. I don't see them coming back to black and white Alfred Hitchcock after that ending. <laughs> nope. So that was something. I right. gave it an 8 out of 10. Oh, did you? 8 out of 10. Yeah, I could see that. That translates about right on my weird scale. <laughs> Anyways, episode 6, The Thing That Came... The Thing From The Grave. Director, Fred Decker. Oh, yes, Fred Decker, the director of The Monster Squad. Thank and you. Night the, and Night of the Creeps. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Yeah, I did know about Monster Squad. I thought he wrote it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I thought he wrote it, and I thought he wrote uh, Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah, I think I think um, Shane Black, I think his friend did writing on some Tales from the Crypt, too. Ah, well, anyways. Miguel Ferrer is uh, Mitch Bruckner, the <laughs> jealous, very shady, don't know what he does, maybe a hitman? I don't know. Did it say what he did for a living? That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe he could be a gangster. I don't know. He was pretty rough. But Terry Hatcher is our Stacy the model. And uh, Kyle Secor is Devlin Cates, our photographer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just opens, it just opens up. And the camera, as always, is I fucking Terry Hatcher. Yep. Yeah, it sure does. She's doing the Photoshop, and we have a star-crossed uh, photographer who noticed that uh, she's, yeah. Well, it actually starts off with a flashback, kind of an episode, you know, end of the episode first, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It pulls that shenanigans. I was going to just go in an order, but, yeah, it pulls those shenanigans where at first you see the photographer driving quickly through the woods and coming to a very intense meeting out there by the cabin with uh, our Miguel Ferreira. Yep, yep, Mitch. And boy, is he ready for action. Both shoulders, bang, bang. Yep, shoots our star-crossed photographer. And uh, yeah, and basically dumps him and buries him in the woods. Yeah, buries him alive, that prick. Yep, buries him alive. And then we jumped to Terry Hatcher and when everything was okay. When everything was getting ready to be not okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, do you want to take the story on this one, sir? Yeah, they're flirting around a little bit because he's he's doing a shoot with her and some other models. And uh, in walks Mitch, her boyfriend. and uh, Who we know is a killer. Yeah, by now, absolutely. And yep. uh, he's pretty much playing the guy from RoboCop again. Yeah, except the guy from RoboCop had a couple good morals when he wasn't railing. Yeah, <laughs> he was a genius, but uh, yeah, he, he definitely didn't deserve to get killed by Ronnie Cox. Anyway, we're, we're talking about Tales from the Crypt here. I'm sorry. Straight in the boot. Yep. So you can, within... A couple minutes of him being there, you could tell he's just a smarmy asshole and he's overprotective and jealous of his gal. And abusive. 
yeah and abusive yeah because he uh our photographer our clueless knight noticed bruise on her shoulder right yep little bruise he said well mitch gets a little rough he's and he says to her if he ever gets too rough here's where i keep my spare key yeah and and this is just me being a gentleman this has nothing to do with you being one of the hottest fucking women in the fucking world yeah right yeah that that never translates i'm like okay he's 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 thinking with another head here if, if it was like melissa mccarthy or something he'd be like ah that's rough right, yeah. from the top <laughs> but anyways of course in tales from the crypt tradition and gotta hit the trope uh he's sitting at home and uh in walks in the babe terry hatcher in her prime oh god yeah she was great as stacy but uh they hit it off they profess you know they kind of have their star-crossed lover syndrome he gives her her spiritual necklace the mayan a special mayan uh wish amulet thing (laughs) yeah we'll go with that it's mad libs it's tales from the crypt you just plug it in yeah of magic yeah he gives it to her he says as long as you have this I will protect you. Yeah, I will never leave you. And uh, we think we've got a kind of a Twilight-esque, smaltzy kind of episode here. But then we jump to back to the start of the episode where he gets a call and leaves his groceries. And yeah. Yeah, Miguel buries him. Yep. Yeah, gets buried. You get the refresh of the shooting and the absolute you know pretty violent death too eh? yeah it's almost as violent as the one he gets in about 10 minutes yes it sure is i'll let you take it off the top there (laughs) he goes back in the cabin and what do we have terry hatcher in the early 90s in a lingerie tied to the bed yep and i was just you know disgusted i turned my tv off i said that is smut and i will not have it on my- <laughs> i bet you did i didn't yeah but, but uh yeah it was just creepy because he's like you know what you're done but uh i'm gonna have my fun with you first and then comes the magic oh yeah and, and as if starting glowing the the necklace seems to be pulling him from the grave mm-hmm. but this zombie is insane because i believe it's a that the head is like a model Uh uh-huh isn't that interesting it's like animatronics it's pretty freaking cool it's not like he's not like a regular made-up zombie yeah yeah he's just a little bit more fucked up i don't know how he got so rotten being down there for so (laughs) for like five uh time's no consequence this is uh anthology logic just like the first episode when she like decayed in a minute i will accept it yep yeah yeah mitchy boy goes outside investigate and then the first thing he shines flashlight on is his grotesque face yep and then when we just see him taking him down to the grave to his grave and uh pulling him down with him he's gonna he is barehanding fucking burying him alive yep pulling him under that was actually crazy i 
credit to Miguel Ferrer. He uh, he did a great job in this episode. He did what he always does, but it was good to see him. You know, he's just like ah, trying to get ripped down under with the zombie. It was good. Good time. I met that guy. Yeah, he'll show up two more times. Mm. Gotcha. So what's your rating on the episode? Or you got some more comments on it, sir? What do I have more comments? Nah, it's pretty much just it. happy. I'm just happy that it worked out for her. Yeah. You know, yeah. both her boyfriends are dead. Even until the Crypt Keeper said that. Yeah. Yeah, with his Play Dead magazine. Yeah, Play Dead magazine. What was he? Uh, the Crypt Keeper report. I forgot. In the first, he was a uh, DJ on Shades. Yeah. Yeah. While a weird tarantula just crawls around in the foreground. Oh, yeah, that's right. 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 Like a vacation theme type thing of a jig. Yep. Tropical. Yeah, tropical. And then, uh, was it Three's a Crowd? He was the DJ. That was the DJ one. Yes, he was the. He was a very. He goes, he'll do a DJ again. You'll see how much more money they throw at this show after a while. Oh, and yeah. These seem quaint compared to in the future when he's going to be Uncle Sam, Forrest Gump. You know, a rock star. Good, yeah. good, good stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that's the crip before. He's, he's getting even better. Yeah, he sure is. He's cresting. I love it. And you can tell that they let this, the uh, Crypt Keeper segments breathe a little bit more. Yeah. They wouldn't be prolonged until the third or fourth season. But excellent Crypt Keeper. No, um, Think From the Grave will give like a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, see, I'm at a... A low four, like like it. I would almost say it was kind of pedestrian, but yeah, I liked the zombie. I kind of dug the story. I liked that they shifted it from schmaltzy to you know tales from the crypt. Uh yeah, four out of six. You can't go wrong with getting the sleazy Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, yeah, the performance was great. I mean, Terry Hatcher, she was super young. I mean. She didn't really do much in the episode. It was, but yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I hate to say that the women did not fare well this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, something else. But that three's a crowd. That one kept me thinking. After that's why I rated it so highly. It uh, stand out of this group of three, anyways. I'm going to say it's definitely in the top ten best endings to Tales from the Crypt. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Uh, not quite head in a box, but pretty rough. Yeah, that ending hurt my soul. <laughs> For sure. So what do we got up next on tap, Mr. Cleaver? I knew you were going to ask me that. That's why I'm checking. I got a good and bad forecast for you next week, sir. Uh-oh. The next one is called The Sacrifice. Okay. Good news, Michael Ironside is in it. Yay. Bad news, it's not horror. Oh, it's a blackmail plot that would have played like a lesser episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. Oh, bummer. Okay, but the two after that are bangers. Well, I know Patricia Arquette's coming up soon. Is she in this group of three? She sure is. Oh, good stuff. Okay, I'm happy now. The the one after the sacrifice is called for crying out loud. Okay, this is the one where Sam Kinison plays the voice of a man's conscience. I've seen this one. I love you, this episode. Yes. Iggy Pop shows up. It's yep. amazing. And then, indeed, Patty Arquette does show up in Foresight of Triangle. Okay. Directed by Tom Holland. Nice. Okay. 
I'm in. All right, good. Yeah, I, lo- I love the little taste testies there. Yeah, you know, for you sure. Can watch three and move on, and I realize I just said taste testies. Mm-hmm. You did. Not so happy about that. Ah, well, yeah. Oh man, next week or the one, the three after these three are bangers too. Are they? Man, season two is good. It's it's got the one that's not quite as good. Well, right now I'm still in camp season one. Like I I really enjoyed season one in the entirety, so I'm interested to see many more episodes coming up. So, yeah, I think season one will take the cake because it's just it opens with three bangers, bang, 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 like three all time great episodes, and then three good episodes follow it. So it's got, and it's only six episodes, so it comes out ahead. You know what episode I keep thinking about? What's that? Ulrich the Undying. <laughs> what was his name? Ulrich the Undying. Ulrich the Undying. Yeah, it wouldn't be me if I didn't mess up the names. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that episode. Yeah, I know. It's Like I said, yeah, those first three are amazing. Yeah, it's creeping up my list, I tell you. I just, wow. Maybe we'll sit, we'll sit your ass down and make you rank them all. Oh, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Here's what I do. Since there's like 93 episodes, I'll do like t- uh, bottom three, middle, or bottom third, top third, middle third. Ah, uh, that's fair. We should do that. Yeah, I, I have no life. I've done that for Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. Nice. Jesus. I got to do... I got to do a little Friday the 13th exposition here before I before I get kicked out of the voting rounds <laughs> in the face of horror competition. What are you doing for Friday the 13th? Yeah, I, I think I'm just, you know, I've watched the first eight. Then I got sidetracked with other stuff. Like we have an episode of the Brutes and Slashers Creepin' Peep show coming up I had to prepare for. Um, King of Autumn. That's what we called the episode. King of Autumn, yeah, there you go. What did yes, I say? yes. It's going to be fun. Great episode. The original uh, Pet Cemetery, um, the original Children of the Corn, and obviously other kingly segues. Yeah, it'll be a scatter shot, but it'll mostly be those two, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And of course, I got to talk about Sleepwalkers. Ugh, you don't <laughs> do, and nobody would mind if you didn't. Oh, come on. The the cast alone, the the bit part cast alone in that movie is worth a watch. Having Mark Hamill and Ron Perlman show up for five minutes doesn't make a movie not a shit smear. But what about Toby Hooper, Clive Barker, Joe Dante, Stephen King himself, John Landis? Come on. To be continued. Exactly. Anyways. That was actually a pretty good cliffhanger lead, Mr. Cleaver. Fair enough. Thank you so much for swinging by again this week and watching some more Crypt with me. Oh, for sure. So when do I get to go on, like, the main anthology show? Well. Or are we just changing gears? We'll play it by ear. I'll tell you what. Uh, you can pick as long as you alternate. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what, man? I was just kind of giving you a hard time, but I do want to once again put up that thought, and I think we did decide we were going to do it. Oh, we're totally going to do it, yeah. Yeah, the first episode in October. How does that sound? You got a deal. 
for both of us. We segue out of Tales from the Crypt series, do the Tales from the Crypt 1972 original movie here. And then on the Brutes and Slashers Creep and Peep show, we do Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. Fuck yeah. And technically there's a third Crypt movie called Ritual. But here's what happened. They made a remake of I Walked with a Zombie. Oh. And um, have you, you have, have you seen it? No, I haven't, actually. I didn't know this. Enlighten me, sir. Yeah, they made it. And um, I guess to, to add box office to it, because I think it went to I think it either went to video or went to theaters. But anyway, they just tacked on a Crypt Keeper beginning and end with a sh- kind of shite looking puppet. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Gotcha. So well. it, kind of, it is technically a Tales from the Crypt movie, but it kind of doesn't feel like it. Uh, well, I didn't even know it was. I didn't know it existed, and I'll keep a lookout for it to add it to my watch list. But it's not terrible. No, yeah, I guess, eh? But yeah, no, I'm just gonna stick with the two I own. And mind you, you never know with all these big collections we have. Like, yeah, you might have it. I have it in a six pack with a, some random movies. Yeah, it's possible. I could go look. I got now that the Phantom is somewhat organized, I can find stuff. So, all right. Well, um, I'll tell you what, my friend, since you pulled me out of a out of quicksand, mm-hmm. you can pick whatever anthology you want that I haven't covered yet. Nice. Well, or tales about... from the crypt. I think we're gonna do more tales from the crypt next time. <laughs> until I'm glad that I waited until. Because once we get to covering regular anthologies again, yeah. I'll hold that. I'll hold off. And if you would, do you want to go through the Hood series? Oh yeah, absolutely. I love the first movie, and I will rip apart the second one with you, and somewhat enjoy the third. I have all three, so it's no problem. Yeah. F yeah. All right. Well, you take it easy, buddy. I'll see you over on BNS. Sounds great, sir. Thank you. Later, brother. Later, dude. Hey yo, hey yo, this is Charles Pantswell, a.k.a. Chuck Pants, down here at the uh, Almost Midnight Hour in Barium. And uh, I gotta say, the uh, the lawsuits from the Chief Woodnet have slowed down, and uh, I'm starting to get the ones in for the Chop Poker set that we sold last week. So uh, what can I say? Your buddy Chuck here is sweating a little bit about the upcoming uh, litigation and whatnot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to part with one of my all-time favorite pieces I got, which is a arcade game called the bishop of battle this game system may or may not have been implicated somewhat in a in a moya it may 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 have i am obliged to say but apparently the 13th level is difficult to beat and the only one person has done it is apparently emilio estevez and he's stuck in the machine there but it's a pretty good game yeah I, i'll let that go for about 79.99 so you come down here and the a cursed video game from the 80s era could be yours for only 69.99. You take it easy out there in the world, and uh, yeah, pray for your buddy Chuck.